guys. Welcome to Relatable. Happy Monday. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. All right, we're going to briefly talk about Cuba today, what's going on there. We're also going to talk about the vaccine and the Biden administration going door to door and encouraging people to get vaccinated. A lot going on. We have a lot to talk about this week, some good interviews and some hot topics to cover. One of the topics that I really want to cover this week is modesty and Matthew West, um, uh, Modest is Hottest music video that apparently got a lot of blowback from progressives and professing progressive Christians. That is a topic that many of you have asked me to address, and I hope to get to it on Thursday. But today, because this is probably the biggest story that's going on right now, I want to talk about Cuba first. Um, So the cries for freedom are coming from the people there who have been bearing the weight of tyranny of a communist regime for almost or for a little over 60 years. These are the biggest protests Cuba has seen in decades. People are tired of being oppressed. They're tired of being starved and mistreated and jailed for dissent. So they are pushing back. And it's really remarkable. Like I said, we haven't seen something like this coming out of Cuba in a very long time. Uh, The Biden administration, you may have noticed, liberal media are saying that the protests are because of COVID, the lack of medicine that they've been able to get. But that is clearly not the case. If you actually look at the videos of these protests, they're in the streets chanting things like freedom, liberty, down with the dictatorship. Uh, the New York Times tweeted that the protesters are shouting, quote, freedom and other anti-government slogans. I just thought that that was such a funny way to say what the word freedom is. Yes, sure. I guess it is anti government slogan. They're flying American flags and the liberal media and I think even the Biden administration don't want to admit that these Cuban protesters are pushing back against communism because communism is an ideology of the left. But we all know the Cubans here know that's uh, that's why they supported Donald Trump so significantly. And we should just consider that for a second. Like, Consider that those who have fled to America from real oppression and authoritarianism uh, so significantly supported Donald Trump. I just think that that that's interesting to note. Anyone who tells you, by the way, that the starvation of the Cubans and the dilapidation of the country has to do with America's sanctions just does not understand how corrupt regimes work. Lifting the sanctions and thus enriching the Cuban government is not going to help Cubans themselves. Corrupt governments hoard the money, they starve the people, and they continue down a destructive path. So we need to support the Cuban people in their push for freedom however we can Cubans understand better than many leftists do here, it seems, uh, that America is the last bastion of freedom that exists. That's why they're in the streets uh, carrying these American flags, just like Hong Kongers did before China took them over and squashed all dissent last year. And I feel like we need to be talking about that a lot more, by the way. We've talked about it here a few times. We actually talk about China quite often, but I'm not sure if we in the West in general have really come to terms with the fact that what was once an autonomous democratic city is now part of communist China. Every pro-democracy news outlet in Hong Kong has been shut down by the government and every pro-democracy dissenter has been jailed or killed or silenced in some way. That's a really big deal. 
And we should just hope that Cuba does not go the same way. A threat to liberty somewhere is a threat to liberty everywhere. There are a lot of people who know a lot more about the political history of Cuba, and I hope to have them on this week to give us some insight. But what I do know, what's obvious, is that communism is a scourge in the world that has killed more people than any other ideology by far. And the idea that anyone here in America, where our very poorest people are living in the lap of luxury compared to the average person in Cuba with uh, access to food, shelter, clothing, emergency care, vaccines, government help, should be looking to communism or socialism as a better way. It's just absurd. But as we know, unfortunately, anti-American propaganda, uh, like we talked about last Tuesday, is prevalent right now. It has been actually for a long time. It's come from socialist countries over the past 100 years, like Soviet Russia, even North Korea. China has infiltrated many of our major institutions, especially academic institutions. Um, Ashton Kutcher, of, of all people. Now, I think that he has some very good and interesting views, but I say of all people because you just don't really expect celebrities to say things like this. He's actually warning about this kind of propaganda coming from TikTok. He said this in an interview on YouTube, um, according to Fox News, quote, if I'm China and I want to create a problem in that area of the world, specifically a naval problem in the South China Sea, I would probably want to utilize TikTok in order to influence the minds of Americans. The article goes on to say in Fox News, he noted that such social media platforms can be used to create, quote, an anti-U.S. propaganda, anti-Taiwanese propaganda effort that could result in any war from the United States being uh, uh, extraordinarily unpopular. And I think he's absolutely right about that. I mean, it's amazing to me that young people here don't realize that they're so easily manipulated to hate freedom and hate their country, to somehow ignore the past 100 years of of failed communism and socialism, to ignore what happened in Hong Kong, what's happening right now in Cuba, and to still insist that these collectivist systems could somehow work here. I mean, just think about the misinformation and the misunderstanding it takes to get to that conclusion. There was a poll from Issues and Insights that came out a few weeks ago showing that Americans between the ages of 18 and 24 are the least likely to be proud to be Americans. Only 36% are extremely proud or very proud compared to 86% of Americans, 65 plus, who are very proud or extremely proud. I mean, doesn't that tell you something that maybe the people who have seen more, who know more, who have experienced more might have a better grasp on how good of a country America is, especially compared to the rest of the world? And yet, I think that number is going to continue to go down among young Americans as long as the tenets of critical race theory and anti-American leftist ideology are being pushed in schools. I do not think it's a coincidence that people 18 through 24 are also the most likely to have an affinity towards communism and socialism, are the most likely to be liberal, as well as the most likely to not be proud of our country. I mean, as long as students 
are being told that the very foundation and all of America's institutions are infected with racism and bigotry as long as they're being taught that American ha- that America has been a force for evil in the world, young Americans will not only continue to dislike their country, but also themselves and each other because that's what this kind of ideology and thinking actually produces. It produces resentment and ingratitude and, and weakness of the country through division. Which is exactly what our enemies, like the Chinese Communist Party, want. They, they and the rest of the unfree world have been trying to get Americans to hate themselves, to hate our country, and to hate each other for decades. You are less likely to fight for your country, to keep the secrets of your country's military and industries, to prioritize the economic well-being of your country, uh, to rely on the manufacturing of your country or defend the principles of, of liberty of your country if you think that your country is inherently bad. And we already see that happening with corporations, for example, like Nike or, or, or Disney or others who talk about how America is racist and, and so bad, yet praise the CCP, which is a racist, evil regime that is enslaving and colonizing as we speak. So that kind of thing is already working. And we touched on this last week, but I just want to mention it again because it's, it's been on my mind. Um, it seems that people from every other country are able to manage to have some sort of patriotism, even though their country isn't perfect or in some cases is really bad. Uh, my husband has been into watching UFC lately, uh, and I've honestly started to like it myself. I know that might be kind of surprising. It's not really my brand. Uh, but we watched the big fight on Saturday night. And if you don't know what happened, I was telling people at church on Sunday, like what happened? Like I'm some like huge UFC expert. I'm not, but it was, I mean, it was a good fight. There were a lot of good fights, but the last fight, Conor McGregor, you know, the infamous Irish fighter fought against Dustin Poirier. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. And in the first round, if you don't know, uh, McGregor stepped back and his leg snapped right above his ankle. Oh my goodness. It was so hard to watch, especially like the show, the slow-mo and everyone who's showing it on social media. If that kind of thing grosses you out, I don't recommend looking it up, but it was, if you can somehow catch the fight and see what happened, it is, it's, pretty incredible to watch. Um, And it was pretty disappointing as well because everyone wanted to see them in the next rounds. But of course, that didn't happen. Um, And I also learned, this is just a side note for a second. I also learned that I do not understand Irish English. Like it is a completely different language. I mean, he was trash talking. Some of you probably saw after the fight. And I literally could not understand a word he said while Joe Rogan was interviewing him. I needed some kind of translator. But anyway, so back to the point. He's got this big Irish flag coming out there like he always does. Clearly, he loves his country. He's proud of his culture. And you look at the other fighters, too, who always do the same thing. You've got fighters from Nigeria, from uh, Brazil, from Russia, places with serious human rights violations and very corrupt governments. And they're all so proud to rep their country. And you see this not just in the UFC, but in the Olympics, in any event where people are representing their country. People love uh, where they come from, even in third world countries, even if they don't love the leadership or all the policies, because people understand that patriotism isn't about liking all the policies and the politicians that are put in place 
place. It's about something much deeper than that. It's about either founding principles and values or just the culture from which you come. Now, you could say that some of the people in some of these places are forced to show patriotism, and that's absolutely true. But I really think, for the most part, people just have an affinity for where they come from, even if they fled the country because of tyranny. Uh, more immigrants, you guys know we talk about this a lot, flee to America than to any other country by far every year. And they often choose to retain much of the culture of the country from which they fled because they still love it because countries are like families. They're not perfect, but they're yours and you still have a deep love for them because of that. So all this to say, don't you think it's just a little sus speaking in Gen Z language that you, college student, with all the opportunity, freedom, luxury in the world, hate your country when people in much worse countries with much less are still patriotic? Like, isn't it a little sus that you loathe the country to which millions of people are fleeing to for uh, a better life? Is it not strange to you that you, white Gen Zer, are sure this is a terrible racist country while brown and black people from India, from Africa, from China, from South America sacrifice everything every year to come here. And when they do are able to achieve incredible success, often rising above the American born population when it comes to things like income and their careers and graduation rates. Do you think it's just that they didn't get the memo that America is an awful white supremacist place and that somehow they lucked out when they got here? or? Do you think it's possible? Do you think there's a possibility that you are the one who has been lied to for nefarious purposes and that people who are older than you, people who have a bigger perspective than you or me, people who actually know what communism and socialism and fascism and authoritarianism and oppression are, uh, may have a better understanding of what kind of country America is than you? Like, could it be that you're blinded by your own privilege because someone, a professor, a classmate, a social media influencer at one point told you that ragging on your country is cool or sophisticated or intellectual sounding. Now, I'm reading Great Society by Amity, Schle Amity Schles, and I am, I'm realizing how much socialism we already do have implemented in the U.S. and how big the federal government is compared to what it was originally intended to be. But that said, uh, we are still freer and more capitalistic than the vast majority of countries, and we have a, a ton of success to show for it. So we should be talking about that. We should be grateful for that. We should be happy about that thanking God for that. I don't mean that we don't have bad parts of our country. I always give that caveat and that we have bad parts of our history that we shouldn't be talking about. I'm not talking about whitewashing history. Actually, I think that Americans should be so confident in our founding principles and so confident in liberty that we are comfortable talking about the ugly things that America has done, unlike authoritarian countries that have to cover up the bad that they've done in order to stay in power. But remove yourself from your place of privilege for just a second, which I and everyone in this country occupy, and look to the people who love liberty and waved the American flag in Hong Kong, uh, look to those waving the American flag in Cuba and realize how incredibly blessed you are and how much America and her freedoms are worth fighting for. 
There are people who have rioted with Antifa and with BLM for the past year who have actually burned the American flag in the streets. Um, Instead, they've raised the Chinese communist flag or a flag with the communist raised fist or the communist symbol on it. And look, I'm going to be honest, I would not be against some kind of voluntary exchange program where the citizenship of the people who hate America and love communism are are given to the people in other countries like uh, like Cuba who love America and uh, and love freedom. But I mean, isn't it interesting that people who flee to America for freedom are like, wow, you know, I love my country, but I just have to leave. And then there are people here who hate America, who are like, I hate my country, but I'll never leave. Like, it just doesn't make sense. It's just something to think about. Now, we should be um, we should be absolutely praying for the people of Cuba. They will be facing a lot of opposition from their government. I don't know what change is going to look like there, but if we care about human rights, if we care about their well-being, if we care about justice and freedom, which I think we should, then we should care about and pray for Cuba. All right, that's all I have to say on that. Like I said, hopefully we'll talk about it again this week. I hope to get um, an interview with, um, I've got a couple people that I've reached out to that I hope will come on the show and give us uh, more insight and some personal testimonies of what it's like in Cuba and why these people are rising up in the name of freedom. But in um, speaking of authoritarianism, I want to at least scratch the surface of another topic that you guys have been asking me about, and that is this um, COVID vaccine and specifically the push to make it mandatory or at least as mandatory as possible. So we'll get to that in just one second. But first, I want to tell you guys about Andy's Kit Clubs. You guys know Andy's Kit Clubs is one of my favorite sponsors. Everyone wants to encourage their kids to be creative, um, just not on the wall. So if you are looking to kind of occupy your child and to channel their creativity in in a good way, in a way that you approve of, uh, then you need Annie's Kit Clubs. They've got a Young Woodworkers Kit Club, a monthly subscription that sends kids real hammer and nails construction kits. They even include real tools, starting with a kid-sized hammer. Your kids can build complete kits with very minimal supervision. They've also got Annie's Creative Girls Club that can introduce your girl to new crafts with every shipment. So each month, she'll receive two fun kits complete with easy-to-follow instructions, kickstart her creativity through painting, beading, and more. So your kids can master new hands-on skills while expressing their creativity. Go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. That's A-L-L-I-E. annieskitclubs.com slash Allie and save 75% off your first shipment. That's annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Now, when I say authoritarianism, I'm actually not talking about the uh, the Biden administration. They have not issued a mandate, and I'm I'm not sure that they will. HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra uh, said on CNN recently that they're trying to give people the sense that we have as much freedom and choice as possible. I thought that was an interesting choice of words, um, but that they're going to knock on people's door to encourage them to get the vaccine. He said people don't have to answer the door, but if they do, the government representatives will talk to them about the vaccine and any of their concerns. And look, do I think that that's kind of creepy? Yes, I do. Like Ronald Reagan said, some of the scariest words in the English language are I'm from the government and I'm here to help. 
But honestly, I actually commend the Biden administration for now for trying to do everything they can short of making it mandatory. They actually deserve some kudos for that. They're going door to door. They're trying to reach out to people about something they think is important without actually forcing them by law to do it. So whatever, you don't have to answer the door like they said, but that's an effort that they're trying to make. But not everyone outside the administration feels the same. And this is why I talk about authoritarianism. And I don't mean in the governmental sense. I'm just talking about this uh, authoritarian attitude that a lot of people on the left uh, seem to have, especially in relation to this vaccine. So Leanna Wynn, former Planned Parenthood president and CNN commentator. So just judging by her professional history, I'm not really sure if we want to listen to her when it comes to subjects have to do with saving lives, considering she has presided over the killing of unborn children. But she did have this suggestion. And what we really need to do at this point is to make vaccination the easy choice. It needs to be hard for people to remain unvaccinated. Right now, it's kind of the opposite. It's fine. I mean, it's easy if you're unvaccinated. You can do everything you want to do anyway. But at some point, these mandates by workplaces, by schools. I think it will be important to say, hey, you can opt out, but if you want to opt out, you have to sign these forms. You have to get twice weekly testing. Basically, we need to make getting vaccinated the easy choice. That is what it's going to take for us to actually end the pandemic. So basically what she's saying is while the government can't force you, we should make it very difficult for people to enjoy life at all or access basic services. Um, Then there was this tweet from I don't even know who it is. It sounds like a very I'm not trying to be rude, but crazed left wing blog uh, called the Palmer Report. Lots of lots of followers, but it's always tweeting very strange things. Um, said this, Leanna Wynn is correct. Unvaccinated right-wingers are a threat to national security. What about unvaccinated left-wingers, by the way? It's not just right-wingers that are not getting the vaccine, but just unvaccinated right-wingers? Okay. Unvaccinated right-wingers are a threat to national security, and the only thing they understand is consequences. Force them to get constantly tested. Lock them out of public space, uh, public places. Force them to stay home by default. They'll whine, but they'll cave. All right. And then someone underneath replied this. I just wanted to include this because it's just so stunning and sad. Uh, Someone says Gen X resists. Um, They should have to. That's what their handle is. They should have to wear a scarlet letter C and heavily tax the willfully unvaxxed. I mean, are you guys? Are you okay? Or is there some other virus that only infects the brain that I'm not aware of? Uh, they are going to be a preventable burden on the medical system for a generation. I mean, yikes. Huge yikes. There are all kinds of just hellacious replies under that tweet of people celebrating the prospect of death for people who aren't vaccinated, saying that they shouldn't get medical care at hospitals if they refuse the vaccine. Let's just let's tease out that logic just a little bit. So someone shouldn't get medical care at a hospital if they refuse the vaccine, which basically is saying if someone refuses to do something that could have probably could have prevented sickness, they shouldn't get care. So if someone refuses to stop smoking, they shouldn't get treated for lung cancer. Is that what we're going with? Like if someone refuses to lose weight, they shouldn't get uh, treated for diabetes. If someone refuses to get sober, they shouldn't be treated for a drug overdose. Wow, yes, I cannot wait to turn over our healthcare system to the absolute control of these kinds of people. Super compassionate, very excited about it. Um, It should be noted 
By the way, that according to a Gallup poll, uh, conservatives are two and a half times more likely to answer correctly the question, how likely is it to be hospitalized because of COVID? So 41% of liberals believe that the answer is 50% plus, that you've got a 50 plus percent chance to be hospitalized if you contract coronavirus. Um, Only 9.8% of them got the answer right, which is that you have a one to 5% chance to even have to go to the hospital with COVID, whereas 25.6% of conservatives got that answer right. But actually, both conservatives and liberals way overestimate the risks of COVID. But conservatives are far more likely to get that answer right. And that's because liberals, just to be honest, have been on a steady diet of panic porn for a year. That doesn't mean that people shouldn't take it seriously. I've said that a million times over the past year. But we should have an accurate idea of the real risks, right? Um, Okay, I'm going to get to more of that in just a second. But first, I've got to tell you guys about another one of my favorite sponsors, and that is Good Ranchers. You might not know that more than 80% of the grass-fed beef sold in the United States is imported from overseas. That is really a staggering statistic that I didn't know. That's why we get our meat from GoodRanchers.com. Their product is 100% American. When you buy your steak and chicken from Good Ranchers, not only are you getting ethically raised, sustainably sourced, high-quality meat, you are also supporting American farms, which is super important. My friends at Good Ranchers have traveled the United States, and they've met with the farmers that they work with. Uh, and they know that they are putting meat on your table that is the very best. All of their product is individually wrapped. It's vacuum sealed. It's ready to grill. You can even choose pre, uh, pre-marinated chicken option. That's what we really like. It helps eliminate waste. It just makes your life a lot easier. They safely deliver American craft beef and better than organic chicken right to your door. You can place a one-time order, or better yet, you can subscribe and save a lot of money when you do. Check out the Family Feast Bundle, which includes steak and chicken. If you subscribe, you get $20 off and free express shipping if you go to goodranchers.com slash That's goodranchers.com slash to get $20 off and free express shipping. Goodranchers.com slash for $20 off and free express shipping. Now, Here's what Leanna Wynn and other left-wingers seem to understand, um, I'm judging from their rhetoric, that I'm not sure that the Biden administration understands, or if they do understand it, they're not showing it. If someone has not gotten the vaccine at this point, it is very likely not because they don't know how, or they haven't heard about it, or um, that there's some logistical issue. Uh, They really don't need someone coming to their door telling them about it. It's because if they haven't gotten it yet, they don't want to. Uh, They've weighed the risks. They've weighed the benefits. And they just don't want to get the vaccine. And look, I understand that there are people out there who think the decision not to be vaccinated is selfish and stupid. But you also have to understand that there are people with legitimate reasons for not wanting to be vaccinated. It's a new vaccine. Hasn't been out that long. Hasn't been out long enough to study long-term effects. We have heard about questionable, albeit rare, side effects like changes to menstruation for women and heart inflammation 
for young people, especially young men. Uh, This is what NBC reported about it in June. Quote, a higher than usual number of cases of a type of heart inflammation has been reported following COVID-19 vaccination, especially among young men following their second dose of an mRNA vaccine. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said Thursday, overall, 226 cases of myocarditis or pericarditis after vaccination in people younger than 30 have been confirmed. Dr. Tom Shimabukuro, deputy director of the CDC's Immunization Safety Office, said during a presentation to a Food and Drug Administration advisory group. Further investigation is needed, however, to confirm whether the vaccination was the cause of the heart or however, to confirm whether or not the vaccination was the cause of the heart problem. Normally, fewer than 100 cases would be expected for this age group. Teenagers and people in their early 20s accounted for more than half of the myocarditis cases reported to the CDC's safety monitoring systems following COVID-19 vaccination, despite representing a fraction of people who have received the shots. Okay, 226 cases out of millions and millions of shots means that this is really rare, but it is still a risk that some young and healthy people are not willing to take. The New York Times reported that young people are the biggest barrier to immunity because they're just nervous about taking it. And they also know that complications from COVID are super rare unless you have some kind of underlying condition. So here's what the New York Times reported in June. Rare but real side effects have emerged as a serious concern, especially for young people who feel they're at low risk from the virus itself. Johnson & Johnson vaccinations were paused briefly this spring after, after the discovery of rare blood clots in young women. And federal health officials said last week that the Moderna and Pfizer BioNTech uh, uh, vaccines have caused heart problems in about 1,200 Americans, many of them under age 30, though they said the benefits of the vaccination continue to far outweigh the risks. Uh, just a reminder that also, according to the CDC, for people under the age of 19, the flu is significantly deadlier than COVID. For people under the age of 40, of 40 the flu and COVID are equally deadly, which means not very much at all. Uh, the people for whom COVID is riskier than the flu um, is people who are above 60. Those who are 60 plus are much more likely to suffer serious complications from COVID uh, than from the flu, even though those serious complications are very rare. And I understand that we are concerned about these unvaccinated people passing it along to older people. But A, not being vaccinated against a virus doesn't mean you are a carrier of the virus. That's very important to know. And being a carrier of COVID is going to become increasingly rare as there are still so many people who are vaccinated. B, most older people are vaccinated. So they're at very, very, very low risk, which I think is a great thing, by the way. There is no question in my mind whatsoever that if you are elderly, the benefits of getting the vaccine actually outweigh the risks. But again, I think it's a it's a personal decision for you. But for young people, 
Maybe not. Maybe the benefits don't outweigh the risks. And since cases and deaths have dropped across the country so drastically, it doesn't seem like the people who choose not to get the vaccine need to be excluded from polite society or unable to travel or or go to work in person or go to concerts. Uh, It just doesn't make sense. It honestly doesn't even make sense to force unvaccinated people to wear masks. Like, I know that's controversial to say, but from all the data that we've seen that we've collected over the past year and a half, there seems to be no correlation at all between the number of COVID cases and and mask mandates or lockdowns. And actually, in many cases, you've seen lower cases in free states like Texas and Florida than you have in locked down, heavily masked states like New Jersey and New York. Those are just the facts. There's also a a racial equity portion to this as well, considering that a, a large percentage of unvaccinated people are black Americans who just don't want to get the vaccine. It's not because of a lack of access. So much money has been dedicated to um, getting minority uh, populations to get vaccinated. And a lot of them just don't want to. So are you really going to segregate society along largely racial lines because of this vaccine? I mean, if you want to follow the science, that means you don't just shut down the critical thinking part of your brain and listen to whatever Anthony Fauci says. It means you think, you ask questions, you look at the data, and you're willing to form conclusions based on factual information that may be unpopular. And I say all this as someone who has never been anti-vaccine in my life, just full disclosure, up to and including now. No one in my family is anti-vaccine. I used to be actually more of a vaccine Karen, if you will, wanting everyone around me to get their flu shot, etc. But I've eased up. I've eased up on that. Uh, I'm not anti the COVID vaccine, although I don't think it's your business if I'm vaccinated, nor do I think it's my business if you're vaccinated. I also always complied with the masking rules and all of that, but it didn't bother me when other people didn't. So you can't say that I'm some kind of crazed anti-masker or anti-vaxxer. That's just not factual. I am a big fan of choice. I'm a big fan of liberty and factual information. Um, It's hard for me to understand how those two things don't, like some people cannot carry those two things in their mind at the same time. Uh, The vaccine... I will say it's not the mark of the beast. That's just bad theology. It's not magnetic. It's not inserting a tracking device, but it is a new vaccine, even though it's made from old technology. And people are not crazy to assess Uh, to assess the risks for themselves. In fact, that's much more scientific than the people who apparently think that science means just accepting everything bureaucrats tell you without questioning uh, questioning anything. And if there seems to be um, cumbersome restrictions for living your life that you just think are unjust, Call your state legislators, email them, see if there's anything that can be done about it. Trampling on freedoms isn't just something that the government can do. Big business can do it, too. And state lawmakers may be responsible uh, to act in some cases. If the Biden administration shows up at your door and you don't want to talk to them, uh, treat them like a Jehovah's Witness. So either you just ignore them and you don't answer the door or You can invite them in for tea and crumpets. Go for it. Share the gospel with them. Explain to them your reasoning for not getting it if you want to, if if you're not going to get it. Uh, I think your options are to be kind and hospitable and truthful with them or to not answer your door at all. I don't know if there's any reason necessarily for um, animosity. I think that 
it actually can be an opportunity to tell them about Christ. Who knows? Uh, maybe that's maybe that's part of why God is uh, God is allowing that particular program. Um, you certainly could use it for His glory in that way. So I hope that answers some of your questions. I understand this is a controversial topic with a lot of I think respectable and valid opinions across the spectrum on that. But I wanted to try to give you. Um, a neutral and uh, and balanced view on it. And I'm sure whenever I talk about this subject, there are always people who are disappointed on both sides. And that's, that is perfectly fine with me. All right. Uh, we will be back here tomorrow with a really good topic that I'm excited about um, talking about. I will see you guys then. 